Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm looking that beautiful man right in the face. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. If you don't know already, Jamal Mosley is the latest Orlando Magic head coach. He's the tallest head coach in Magic history, so he's got that going for himself. But more importantly, the NBA draft is less than a week away, and free agency is also right around the corner. Trades, trivia, cursing, predictions. Let's go. You can feel it. Summer. I feel like summer. I feel like summer. You can feel it in the streets on a day like this. Day. I feel like summer. All right, we are less than a week away from the NBA draft and potential nightmares or, or hopes being realized. We'll see. But uh, before we get to the draft and we both, before we get to you know Jamal Mosley being hired by the Magic, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are your new uh, 2021 NBA champions. So from a Greek perspective, I'm very happy because you know Giannis Antetokounmpo and Thanasis Antetokounmpo got titles and... Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, had maybe the the best game six ever. I've, I've, it's been the, like the best performance I've ever seen in my life, honestly, in person. Because, and obviously I'm biased because I'm Greek. Uh, but you know the guy had 50 points, 14 rebounds, five blocks, and he was freaking everywhere. And I've I've been watching basketball since you know '94, basically when I was six years old, and you know I. I've seen a lot of performances from Hakeem, Jordan. Uh, I mean, I, I even put a list out here, but it's like Hakeem, Jordan, Shaq, Penny, LeBron, Tracy, Steph, Kawhi. I've seen all of those over the years, and I can't think of a performance that's better than that with the stakes as high as they were. But uh, Milwaukee ended a 50-year drought. You know, this is their second NBA title in their history you know they won in 71 with uh kareem and oscar robertson and it gives a small market hope i think because there's there's a couple perspectives you can look at it you know from a magic draft perspective their three best players were picked 15th 39th and 17th in the draft historically you know bobby freaking portis was picked 22nd you know there's hope for those guys out there yeah uh you know the other viewpoint i have is you know, from a draft perspective, size matters. Size advantages still play a factor. Whether you believe in the center position or not, having a size advantage when you look at, you know, each of the five positions on the floor has has played a factor in, you know, the Lakers title in the bubble. Um, and then now with Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee noticeably was bigger than, than the Suns at almost every position it, feel, it felt like. And I don't know what's what type of initial comments do you do you have on that penny, if if any? Well, first of all, I I think it was a great first of all it was a great playoffs and and secondly a great final. Damn good final. So fuck you, L.A. and Miami yeah. if you didn't want to watch it. And uh, you know I I was happy with whoever was going to win, and I think overall I edged towards Milwaukee. I I think to myself. How pissed must Chris Paul have been as Giannis is draining, what, 17 of 19 free throws in the clinching game? But yeah, to your point, that 
performance is obviously one of the best of all time and arguably the best of all time just in terms of both ends of the floor you know i think all of the 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 what the performances that we remember are just iconic offensive displays but he did it defensively too as evidenced by the five blocks um yeah, the the Milwaukee Championship gives you hope as a small market franchise, but also I think in terms of team building too, where it wasn't a super team. There's a no. very clear first banana, second banana, and then supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's you know probably at least in the near term that's that's our plan because I don't think there's multiple superstars that are uh, joining forces in Orlando anytime soon. Yeah, that's that's a very good viewpoint. In look, in my mind, Yanni did it the right way. He didn't go for the big three thing. He didn't bail like LeBron or Kevin Durant. Like he 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 signed the, the extension. He signed the contract to Milwaukee, and it worked out. So, and he did it with a petrified head coach as well. <laughs> but uh, if, you know, this is Orlando podcast, so I don't want to go too far on it. But COVID nineteen worries aside, how cool was did the Deer District look on on TV? Like I I wanted to be there. I, I, I it reminds me of the like Times Square at New Year's Eve, and there's no place that I would want to be less than right in the middle of the sixty five thousand jam packed and needing to go pee. It looked like more than sixty five k. People say it it, it 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 was less, but it looks it looked way more you're, than sixty five k. You're an atmosphere guy, and I am decidedly an anti atmosphere. guy. I mean, it's cool to watch and see all the people. <laughs> I just don't want to be part of the throng. Don't get me wrong. I'm worried about peeing as well. <laughs> and there's the one shot of the porta potty next to like the elevated cameras, and somebody had a perfect tweet saying like that porta potty's putting extra time in tonight. Um, yeah, but. It's it's still it's still a lot of fun, and I I need the DeVos family to ho- hurry up and create the entertainment complex across from Amway Center because if the Magic actually get good in the next few seasons here and can make it to the NBA Finals, we don't have an area where you can do this type of stuff. We used to with the old building in the arena. We had plenty of space outside yeah. for that. There's still all those crowd shots outside for 09, you know, when, when people went out there for, you know, that couldn't get a ticket. A lot of them were outside the arena back then. Wall Street's not the same. Not the same no, atmosphere. No, I mean, look, if, if the Magic are good, Wall Street and Church Street will, will, will figure it out. But still, it's, it's not the same thing. The Deer District looked awesome. Yeah. That's how you build an arena. That's how you actually build business and atmosphere around the building, which the Magic have done horribly with, with the Amway Center over a decade into the damn building existing. They got time to make up for it, but you got to get on it. But the only other thing I thought was I, I kind of wish John Hammond would get an, a ring for this somehow because he's the one that ended up pulling the trigger and drafting you know Giannis Dedekumbo 15th in, thir- in 2013. That's the one where Rob Hennigan pussied out and he didn't, didn't. Cl- claim that he wanted to do it but couldn't do it because it was his first year on the job. He wanted to trade back and, and get a Dedekumbo and – the moment that that happens, and you and he literally did it because he didn't want to do that so early in his tenure as a GM. Like he didn't think he could pull off a big move like that. And once you're thinking like that, you're doomed. You're dead. And that's what ended up happening in his tenure. So again, John Hammond pulled the trigger. He got Yanni. He also trade made the trade with uh, Detroit to get Chris Middleton. So that guy deserves a ring. I'm. I hope they give him one somehow. But anyway, bef- again, right before we get to the magic stuff. Quick Orlando topic, Orlando City Soccer. 
the Will family, who owns the you know the Minnesota Vikings, they took over Orlando City. Um, but in the official press release, they snuck in that the DeVos family is going to have a minor, minority stake in the team. I've been a season ticket holder since 2014. It's It's been a long time that I've been a season ticket holder. I'm not happy with with the DeVos family being part of, of this, even if you know, I don't care that they officially don't have any type of voting or club decision making that they can do. I don't care for it. If you want to collaborate and build up the Paramore area, the downtown area with Orlando City, you don't have to give the DeVos family a stake in the team to do that. If the Magic want to create a purple-themed uh, alternate jersey or something that's Orlando City yeah. theme. You don't have to give them a stake in the team to do that. So uh, we're, we're going to see how it works out. I was at the Philadelphia Union match last night that we won 2-1, which was a thriller. If you couldn't go, you could see it on ESPN. But there was a hashtag DeVos out sign in the wall that got removed pretty quickly. But a lot of Orlando City and Orlando Pride fans are pissed off because the DeVos family does not represent the viewpoints of most of the fans. Most of the players, especially on the pride side, and I'm going to be interested to see how that how that goes going forward. If you want to comment on it, go for it, Penny. If not, we'll move I, on. I don't think I know enough about it, but we, at, at, how was the game last night in terms of fan conversation other than seeing a sign? Uh, not much yet, but that, that's because, it, it, one, it's real soon. Two, like when the Will family gets introduced officially, I think it's going to happen like, in a in a week or two, I think it's like August fourth. They're going to do it for one of the home matches. Is there going to be a DeVos family member there as well? Like, do, you know, when they do that, I don't know. We're going to find out. But can't uh, stop people from booing. Yeah, that's that's the other thing with that. So we'll we'll see. Hopefully, it it ends up being good news somehow. But I I'm very pessimistic about having the DeVos family tied to Orlando City. They've already had a lot of mess ups with the Magic. They ruined the Orlando Solar Bears the first time around, and the second time around is not going that well either. Um, neither is the Orlando Predators. A brief time they they revived them, but I I don't I don't like it, and we're going to see how that that goes moving forward. But all right, coaching stuff. So Jamal Mosley, forty two years old, is the newest head coach of the Orlando Magic. Uh, we had a little scare there where. Uh, where Chauncey Billups might have, have been involved. Jason Kidd might have been involved, kind of. But Portland hired Billups. Becky Hammond was a finalist there. It didn't sound like she ever got close from a Magic perspective. Um, now, can I, I, yep, can I ask you it. a trivia question real quick? Okay. And I want, to, I want to attest to the listeners that we have no uh, Google aid up. I'm springing this on uh, Adam right now. Uh, Jamal Mosley technically is the 15th head coach in Orlando Magic history, not counting interim head coaches. Okay. Can you name every single Orlando Magic head coach, including interim, in order in the next 30 seconds? Oh, gosh. Uh, Gukas. Yeah. Hill. Yes. Adubato. Yes. Uh, Daly. Yes. Rivers. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Mr. Uh, nice uh, Guy. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Johnny Davis. <laughs> yeah. Chris Gent. Okay. Uh, Brian Hill again. Yes. Was it Van Gundy? Or was there one in between? There was one in between, but he didn't coach a game. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Billy Donovan. Okay. Uh, Billy Donovan, Van Gundy. Yeah. Um, is it Jacques Vaughn? That's the one. Uh, Borrego. Okay. Um, Vogel? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. Oh, Skiles. Skiles. Skiles, yeah. Vogel. Yeah. And then... And then uh, uh, oh god who just got uh, uh, Clifford Clifford 
And now Jamal Mosley. And now Jamal Mosley. That Is was that a 15? Fu- that was a fun exercise. It feels like it's less than 15 for some reason. Well, I think Jamal Mosley's officially the tallest head coach in Magic history. About 6'8". Yeah. I don't know, would second be Doc or Gukas? I don't know. Gukas was like 6'4", 6'5". Gukas is wiry. Um, yeah. But, yeah, right. so Mosley, he's he's 42 years old, but he's he's been an assistant coach in the NBA for about 14 years, 14 seasons. Uh, you know, his latest stint was with Dallas, where he was an assistant there since 2014. Uh, you know, he had stops in Denver under George Carl supervision there for a little <laughs> bit. Cleveland with, like, Byron Scott and Mike Brown, I believe. And then Dallas all that time under Rick Carlisle, and Carlisle's gone to Indiana. Uh, we don't get Daryl Armstrong in this in this situation. He's staying in Dallas uh, with Jason Kidd being the head coach there. Uh, we had I almost had a happy heart attack where uh, Penny Hardaway <laughs> almost got the job. Uh, how close that really got, I don't know. The official finalist was between Mosley and Wes Unsell Jr., who Wes was assistant under Jacques Vaughn, and now is getting the uh, Wizards job. And probably preferable for him with the family history there. Yeah, I mean, his dad was a, was a legend as a bullet there, too. So, uh, you know, also it's it's more of a win-now situation there than it is Orlando technically, unless they get rid of Beal or Westbrook. But yeah. uh, Penny Hardaway came real close to, uh, to getting the coaching job, and it didn't happen, and he ended up staying in Memphis, and it was no coincidence that they immediately got him Larry Brown as an assistant coach. Yeah. So, And he's been out of basketball for a couple of years for uh, reasons that you can Google. But, uh, yeah, it, it, like I, said, I think when we said it, when we talked about it initially, it was almost like we said it was two or three years too soon for Penny to make the NBA jump. Yeah. And he wants he wants Memphis to be really really good in the in the NCAA tournament. You know they've won the uh, the NIT. They got they got to make the NCAA tournament. He wants to win the championship there. I think before he actually makes the jump. I, I and if this Mosley thing doesn't go well in the next two three years, Mosley signed a four year contract. I he's gonna have he's gonna have to show good progress early. It's it's gonna either be a two three year tenure thing, and Penny ends up coming in in that time, or it actually works out long term and. Mosley could be maybe the longest tenured coach in Magic history. We're going to find out. But that's that's a long, long way from there. Uh, but, I mean, I was a big Penny Hardaway guy because he's already got ties with, you know, Jalen Green, James Wiseman. Mike Miller was an assistant under Penny who's now R.J. Hampton's agent. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a lot going there. I'm surprised Kenny Atkinson didn't get brought up as a potential coaching candidate. He's now got the lead assistant job in Golden State. Uh, but it's it's going to be Mosley, and we're going to see if it, it works out. He, he could end up just looking like a patsy, or maybe he ends up helping us get Luka Doncic in a trade. It, like there's there's huge variations to the spectrum. What do you think of the hire? What have you thought of since the pre, the Zoom press conference and the you know be it the podcast interviews that he did with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad and like the Woj podcast podcast. Yeah, I think well for the Magic Pod Squad, I think they sorely missed David Steele uh, for. I'm assuming he just went on vacation because yeah. he, he was involved in the uh, Matt Lloyd interview like yeah. this week anyway. So yeah, I, I I think overall again we we've kind of said that we have our preferences for who the Magic select, but ultimately the the decision is going to be made down the line um so snap judgment uh i would say that he didn't lose the press conference i think that there's very um closely 
detailed verbiage and talking points that are clearly hit organizational wide that speaks to that alignment in terms of, um, you know, what can fans expect? What should fans be excited about going into a rebuild? Um, what kind of product is going to be put on the floor? And you, I think you have to be very careful with what you say to temper expectations without publicly saying we have tempered expectations. So, um, you know, I think he hit the right notes there. And uh, I, I think also, too, that the pendulum is swinging a bit again in terms of um, like former player and big man coaches having success and being sought after. Yeah. I, I think uh, there's been a lot of talk uh, about former Magic assistant Mark Bryant as a big man coach who's kind of ascended, um, you know, at least great in, things with Dwight. At least in terms of the assistant coach rankings um, and, and prominence in that regard. And I think you bring up a very interesting point that either this is going to be by virtue of the job that he's walking into, a two-year assignment, or I think there's potential to, to I agree with you, without thinking about it till you said it, to be the longest tenured head coach in Magic history. Which doesn't say a ton, because I no. think it's, it, is it Van Gundy in a row? I mean, Brian Hill's coached the most because he had two tenures. Two, two but stints. I think it. I think it's Stan from like 07 to to eleven to, to go five uh, five. I think five. Actually, yeah. well, Gukas went a while. Yeah, I think. I think in one sequence, I think it ended up being Stan. Sorry, I cut you off. There, yeah. But, so so yeah. you know to to put seven six or seven seasons together, depending on incremental improvements, not out of the question. Yeah, with mostly it's interesting because he he. He was a good player in, in high school and college. Like Chauncey Billups was the guy that helped recruit him to Colorado, and then Billups right. ended up becoming the third pick in the draft, which there that was a fun thing he he, he admitted to Woj on the pod there. Um, but by all accounts, he's basically just a hustle guy, not really a talented guy in my mind. Like he won the NBL NBL Sixth Man of the Year back in two thousand two down in Australia, but. That was back when the Aussie League wasn't good, and in, in most of his time overseas, which was a brief, brief professional career, he he didn't play in either a good team or a good league. So it's interesting to see that he literally built himself up from just a like a scout player development type guy to assistant coach to where he was a de- the defensive strategist for the Mavs at the end, which... You know, I think about Dallas didn't really have that great of a defense, but you know, he he has that background, and uh, and it's hard to ascend from player development to actual, you know, well-rounded assistant coach. Yeah. And look at you know Magic Legend Daryl Armstrong, who's been in player development for a long, long time, and still sits you know second row. Yeah, I don't think Daryl's ever going to really be up for kind of a head coach gig, and and you know. I thought David Vanterpool, you know, who who just left Minnesota after two years as an assistant there, he just got an assistant job with Brooklyn now. Yeah. I thought he would his name would be involved because he got interviewed the first go around before Clifford got hired. So it's really interesting that he didn't get involved in that. Um, do you care about uh, Jamal Mosley's MMA training background or how he uh, he he uh, defended Mo Bamba in that one workout that the Magic released? If anything, uh, I thought Bamba didn't look good in the workout. But I, yeah, I don't. I, you know, I put no stock into most things. So I, <laughs> it's. I guess it's. I think sometimes it is cool 
And I don't know if this translates all the way to the NBA, but I know in high school and college and stuff, I think it's cool sometimes when the head coach actually gets on the practice floor and does some things athletically. Uh, But beyond that, I don't know if you put much stock in it. But like, look, obviously Clifford's not going to go out there, you know, when he was doing it. But that's what you had Mike Batiste for, you right. know. So, it, it, you're right. People take too much stock in that. I thought he said all the right things. Like Zoom press conferences are awkward. Like as there was some tech issues. Yeah. Like I think it was like was it Tim Reynolds from down in Miami? He was having issues. I think at the beginning, and so that throws you off. That makes you extra nervous when like there's an awkward silence and stuff. Like what do you do with this dead air? That's why he's a lot, lot calmer and better in those podcasts. Because he's he's face to face with all the guys in the magic pot. I don't know about Woj, but yeah. like he in person, he sounds like a very genuine guy, and that's great. That's awesome. Now a lot of stuff that he said about you know pace, space, you know we're gonna uh, develop offense through passing and stuff. Like that all sounds great, but you got to do it. Right. Um, I did like you know I, I did like I, I was thinking of other relationships that he had and. Anthony Parker was the Lakeland GM. Uh, he coached Anthony Parker in Cleveland, so that's how, that's how long he's been coaching as, as Mosley. And he, like I said, he's only 42, but he's had yeah. 14 years of NBA coaching experiences, which that's not nothing. That's, that's a lot right there. Um, the only thing we know so far from a staff perspective is Nate Tibbetts, who's 44 years old, is going to be on the staff. He coached with Mosley in the early 2010s in Cleveland. Uh, he's got Tibbetts has a point guard background in college. I forget which Dakota college he went to, but that was his background. But he's known in the NBA as someone who develops guard skills, which the Magic need guys like that. Uh, he's been getting given credit for coaching guys like you know Kyrie Irving, Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, helped them develop. Yep. That's a pretty good list right there. Uh, Tibbetts, like Mosley, seems to be a fiery coach, so I don't know if we're going to have to be worrying about technical fouls or not, but... Uh, any comment on Tibbetts or who else you want the Magic to, to maybe get in as assistant coach? Yeah, I've been surprised at how tight-lipped both Mosley and the front office was about Hiring. Uh, yeah assistant and how the staff will be filled out. I think Tibbetts is a good name. Again, it's we're a little bit removed now from the actual inner workings of the staff dynamics to know who actually accomplishes what. Um, so I think by, by name and name association, Tibbetts seems like a good fit. I wouldn't be surprised if we end up having one or two holdovers from Clifford's staff, especially since he didn't get another job during this cycle. You surprised he didn't get a hood coaching job? I thought he was getting the Indiana job and maybe the surprise Carlisle departure from Dallas changed that, you know, but are you surprised? Uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised and, uh, I, I would be very surprised if, he's not coaching in the league next season. I feel like he's destined to get the Kings job once they realize gonna, that yeah, Luke Walton yeah. shouldn't be there. That seems like the next destination. I agree. Which is funny because Stan Van Gundy easily could have gotten the Sacramento job instead of the Orlando job. Yeah. So that that would be a little intriguing. But uh, all right, before we get to the draft and kind of looking at the magic depth chart, uh, I, I did want to just point out how the, you know the Olympics are going on right now. Obviously, there's no Magic player that's going to be on Team USA, but for no Magic player to be invited to the U.S. National Select Team in Vegas uh, was pretty disappointing. I thought maybe Cole Anthony or R.J. Hampton would get an invite. Didn't look like that happened. Uh, former Lakeland Orlando Magic great Josh Majette mm-hmm. got got an invite, uh, and 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 
showed off his point guard skills there. But it just kind of goes to show how disrespected and kind of under the radar, again, the Magic are, that there's a, there's a lot reputation-wise that needs to be built up. All right, let's go into the depth chart stuff. So right. the Magic have 11 guys officially under contract uh, you know, going into the offseason. So from a depth chart perspective, it doesn't really matter, but I'm just laying it out like this. So the centers that they got, uh, that both of them are going to be potentially restricted free agents next next summer in, in 2022, it's Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba. And then power forward, I, throw, I put in Jonathan Isaac, Chumo Kiki. Small forward, there's a hole there. there there's a gap that, that could use to fill in, but I threw in R.J. Hampton, who may or may not be six seven now? I don't know. He's right. he's definitely taller than the six five he was when we got him. I think so. He could maybe he could easily be a small forward in in, in today's NBA. And I put uh, Michael Carter Williams as the backup small forward there, just because he looked jacked in the one Instagram <laughs> photo, and he ended up getting randomly drug tested. And then Mo Bamba, I think yesterday got randomly drug tested by the same drug tester. So, right. um, and shooting guard is where a lot of our money resides with Gary Harris and Terrence Ross there. And then I threw Dwayne Bacon's $1.8 million in there at shooting guard. He's not guaranteed, but everyone needs to just calm the hell down and just assume he's coming back because I said it on Twitter, as a 13th to 15th guy on the roster, Dwayne Bacon is fine at $1.8 million. You're not going to get much better. Like People just need to calm down, okay? He started 50 games. He played all 72 games because he had to. We had we we broke NBA records with the amount of guy, you know time missed due to injury. So that's not Dwayne Bacon's fault. Um, and then at point guard, I got Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony. So that's the 11 I got yep. there. We have no two-way guys at the moment technically because when I look at um, you know our, our Magic free agent situation. Otto Porter Jr. Uh, so let's do this. Out of the Magic free agents that I'm about to announce, and we'll go one by one. Do you think or should, or would you like the Magic to bring them back? This first one I know is going to be obvious, but I have to say it anyway. Yeah. Otto Porter Jr., he's 28 years old. He was basically included in the in the Vucevic Bulls trade because of his $28 million expiring contract. Is he is he coming back? No. Uh, not coming back, and I'm, I'm very interested to see what kind of money he ends up getting this summer. I'd be surprised if he gets more than the mid-level exception at, at about at around yeah. $10 million. Maybe, maybe he'll get 15 from somewhere, but it's he, he didn't play. Like He, he could have kept playing, right. and we just sat him out entirely, which is really bizarre because... It's a contract. It was a contract year for him. Like he need, he needs to go somewhere. So we'll see how what happens with him. All right, this one's interesting. James Ennis, who's thirty one years old, uh, the Magic do need veterans. And last year, he last season he played forty one out of seventy two games, shot an awesome forty three point three percent from three point range, and he made three point three million last season. What do you think? Uh, again, probably dependent on what happens in the draft. I think what's most important to him and what's been most important to him has been playing time and role. So will he accept a lesser role in Orlando when he could accept an even lesser role somewhere else with a higher upside for team success? Yeah, I I feel like we're going to throw like $5 million at him, and I think it actually might for like two years. I think it's actually going to be enough to keep him. I... I I, for whatever reason, there the the interest has been kind of tepid around the league. Very tepid, and he's seemed content here. Surprisingly, surprisingly, yeah. but 
I mean, there's a there's a chance where depending on how the draft plays out, like he could start at small four. Like I wouldn't right. have, I would not complain if he started opening night at small four. Depending on yeah, you know who else started. Like I have no issues with that. He he was and that good last season. Good, I thought good and and respected by the younger players on the roster too. And you need you need a couple of those vets that you know long term. The, there's not going to be an ego in the way when the young guys come in. And like I said, he's 31. He who knows how much longer he's got in the league. It could be five years. It could be next year he's out. Who knows? But all right, this one gets really interesting. Mo Wagner, uh, he is 24 years old. He started 10 of his 11 games uh, that he played here because we brought him on with about 12 other guys basically the last two months of the season. Uh, he shot 37.2% from three. He helped get he, – well, not helped. He, he dragged Germany into the Olympics – uh, so you'll actually be able to see him in Tokyo. And then, I mean, I've, he made $2.1 million last season from his wizards contract, even though, you know, he, he got, he got booted. No, he was in the trade. The, Boston. The ball, yeah. And then he ended up in Boston yeah. and Boston waved him, And then we yeah. ended up picking him up. So, uh, I see him as kind of like a, a legitimate Jason Smith type backup that he can play some power forward and center and you need him for depth. What do you think? Yay. Uh, uh, I was going to say he helped command the tank, but we ended up with the fifth picks. I mean, I guess he did all he could. I, I, I would say no just based on uh, the, the basketball was so bad at the end of the year last year. And obviously he had a couple games where he you know got hot or whatever, but uh, some of the results were so bad. It was, but it's it's not that it's not a one man thing. I, I'm just gonna say I don't I don't want to want. Are we drafting his brother? No, no. Okay. I, I'm throwing. Yeah, yeah. There's no chance in hell we're drafting Franz. Right. Okay. So I mean, if we're not trying to like butter up, you know, I, I you don't have to. I don't want to. I don't want to watch him anymore. Do I have to watch him play? I don't want to watch him. Even if he's getting like. 10, 15 minutes a night? I, that's 10, 15 minutes too many. All right. All right. I, I, think, I think we bring him back. and I, Seeing how, how he played with Germany, it's like the competition varies based off of FIBA team, and some guys couldn't play for their nation during the, you the pre-Olympic want, you qualifying tournament. You want him back in the, pl- like in the rotation? I mean, I want him as like a third guy. I, I want him as like the third backup to uh, either. Like a, like a uh, like Ken Birch role? Something like a Ken Birch role. I right. said Jason Smith. Like All Jason right. Smith didn't have that big of a role when he was at the Magic okay. in, the, in the Vaughn years. Yeah. Except when we were literally trying to lose, and that's why we played him like 30 minutes at a time. Or whatever. Then I'm seeing him too much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I think he comes back. Right. Um, Iggy Brzdakis. No. Yeah. He, he's restricted 22. <laughs> I, I didn't let you say the spiel. I'm sorry. That was Are you surprised to know that in his eight games with the Magic, he actually shot 40.7% from three on 3.4 attempts? That's very surprising. That was surprising. Yeah. I thought it was like 20-something percent, and it's like, no, he, he actually shot over 40%. I don't yeah. I don't think he's coming back, no. but... I don't think he's an NBA-quality player. No, he, he, he needs to play in, in Europe. He'd be a, great, a, a solid EuroLeague guy, but he, he gets abused defensively unlike Wagner who, who can play respectable defense I think so uh Chasen Randall uh I, now see we disagree about his performance last season I thought that he did stand-up work no Yo, yeoman's effort no no he he commanded he does, the tank he does not need to come back by virtue of all of the guards that we need to play and develop but I thought that he was suitable last year are you wasting a two-way spot on him because no. he he's 28 no okay no 
He's not coming back. He's not coming back. But I, he, I, I don't think you should take a big dump on him like you have been. It, it was not. It was not great. Yeah. There, there were some empty stats involved in my mind. All right. Um, Sindarius Thornwell, who ended up with the other two-way spot, mm-hmm. twenty-seven. Uh, I, I see, he's not Admiral Schofield, right? He's a different person. Yeah, no, so, no. Admiral <laughs> had Schofield been been uh, picked up, yeah. uh, he would have been the 29th guy, I think, who played for the Magic yeah. last season, which would have been an NBA record, so we couldn't even do that right. <laughs> but um, Thornwell is going to be 27 in November. He was god-awful. I don't even need to see his percentages. Yeah. It's, so that's a no. Um, just a, a few things. It's going to be interesting because I, I, I'm, you know, if you're following on Twitter, you know, Devin Kennedy seems to be set to go for the summer, so I don't know if he's going to get a summer league shout from the Magic or, or what, but... I'd like to see the, cha- the the Lakeland champion himself get one of those two-way spots, potentially, or at least get a shot in preseason. And then I thought Dante Hall was good. Mm-hmm. I think he was so good that he ended up getting dropped because he was hurting the tank. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's, you know, I wonder what kind of opportunities he'll have in the summer and beyond, but that's certainly somebody to at least throw a two-way at, I think. And then it's, I think it still sucks that we, we gave up on Kareem Mane, uh, even though it was... Uh, I'm, I'm saying Mane. They say Mane. I, I say Mane. But uh, I, part of that was injury, and I guess they just weren't patient enough for him to start developing an offense. Um, all right, so from the depth chart that I was talking about of the 11 guys before, uh, who do you think can be the Magic's best player or star um, out of... Like I said, Wendell, Bamba, Isaac, Okiki, Hampton, MCW, which is obviously not him, but Harris, uh, Ross, Bacon, Fultz, and Cole. Um, who of those guys do you still think is the Magic's best player or star? Um, I can, I think the answer is split for me in that the best player is going to be a healthy Jonathan Isaac. Is there a debate about that? I think it's actually RJ Hampton right uh, now. I And I think star is Markel Fultz still. So, until Fultz legitimately shows off the the improved jumper right. and the percentages, I can't give it to him yet. But there's people that 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 think Cole Anthony's as good as Markel Fultz, which that that's that's a no, that's a hard no for me. Like Cole's had he hit two game winners this season. I get that, but he's still a liability a lot of times defensively. And when he goes up against starters, he still struggles to get a, a decent shooting percentage up. Fultz, on the other hand, changes games on both ends of the floor. He's a game changer. Yeah. And people kind of forgot about that because he's been gone since January. He's been out of our, our, our minds since January. But he's a big reason why the Magic got off to that good start last season. You know, him and Vooch, it was it, it was those two basically yeah. kind of kind of doing it. But uh, I think it's R.J. Hampton, especially if he's now 6'7". And then he already – he's the fastest player on the team. I'm pretty sure R.J. Hampton's the fastest guy on the team. Yeah. He already was showing great progress with his jump shot. You know, the Mike Miller training's been working out pretty well with the three-point shot. And he he can play a little bit of point guard. He can definitely play shooting guard. That seems to be his more natural position. If he can play a three on this team, that's 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 pretty promising in the future if you got a guy that can play three positions. And I just like what he brings both you know both on both ends of the court. I like his attitude. I like the jersey I bought from him I, I from his New say, Zealand days. Yeah. So I, I, I have a little bit of stock in him one yeah. way or another. I have a Breakers jersey that, that's nice, and it's too big for me to wear. So it's going to be after one, one of those where he's so good I have to, like, frame it. But um, <laughs> it's I, I think Hampton, 
I don't think I just don't think Isaac can do it. I, I unless Isaac somehow completely changes his game where he removes like Euro steps out of his game. I just don't think he can stay healthy. So I'm going with Hampton. I don't know if you want to rebut that. Uh, I think yeah, physically and projection wise, Hampton might have the highest ceiling, uh, but he also has the furthest to go. So uh isaac has a track record at least in terms of performance in addition to you know a track record of ill health he's a walking defensive player of the year candidate he is like if he plays you know if we go if we do 82 games next season if he plays like 70 of them like he's gonna probably be in it for first team all in all defense now, now i know we have a ton of podcasts to to put in the can between now and opening night but do does Jonathan Isaac play more than fifty percent of the games next season? I'm going to be optimistic and say yes. All I right. think he's. I think he's. He's starting opening night. Okay. I really because the injury happened almost a year ago. Yeah. As of you know, we're recording this on a Friday night. Uh, you know, the, July 23rd. He he did it in early August, so yeah. it's almost been a full year. The recovery seems to be going really well for him. I you know it. You'll know it's a tank if we don't see him till like January or something. Then right. you know it's a full-on tank. But I think he's going to play at least seventy-five percent of the games next season. He has to, or we're we're screwed. <laughs> like, yeah. My, I, I honestly think that if the Magic can can have a healthy Isaac out there, Cole or whoever's running point guard at that point, because we're not going to see Fultz till probably maybe the All Star break, maybe January if we're really lucky, but. The goal for next season should be the magic to develop the youth and to be in it somewhere where you might have a shot at the play-in tournament. That should be the goal. Whether you make the play-in tournament or not, that's that's beside the point. But you have to actually try to win games. Like you can't just tank. I know Chet Hol- Hol- you know Holgren or whatever, and uh, Wembenyama from from France are really attractive and whatnot. But we. We've already suffered with the draft lottery. We yeah. have not moved up in 14 consecutive draft lotteries that we've been in. This isn't a situation where we're due. We're due, but the odds don't give a shit about that. Right. So I'm going to be optimistic with Isaac. I'm going to be optimistic with what guys like Okiki, Hampton, Cole Anthony it looks like an NBA player. I don't think he's a guy that you, that ever should be a starter on a competitive team, but for a guy that needs to start you know, 30 games of a season, I'm cool with that. He's already better than his dad was in the nba in my mind oh and i mean greg anthony was pretty good as a nick too but um you know cole's actually showed he's a very good rebounder for his position yes he's not like there's defensive lapses but that all gets improved you know with coaching and just experience but athletically, even though you know, he's listed at like 6'2 or 6'3, but he's really six foot. But athletically, because of just his leaping ability and everything else athletically that's great with him, he can hang. Yeah. And so this team can surprise people. There's going to be situations where good teams are going to rest guys thinking that they're going to get easy wins and get the magic, and the magic are going to surprise some folks. So again, I'm not saying they got a shot at making the playoffs. They don't, but I think they got a shot at getting into the play-in, that 10 seed. That 10 seed should be the goal. And the the, the development of the second-year guys is going to be probably, you know, uh, whatever happens in the draft happens, but the trajectory of the franchise, I think, rests on the development of, of the second-year guys and 
you know, we're still kind of obviously Isaac and Fultz, but like my, I've hitched my wagon to Hampton. If Isaac ends up staying healthy 75% of the season, he's probably going to be the guy because in that limited time in the bubble that he played, there were instances where he looked like Kevin Durant on offense. Like I saw it. I, I I've seen him do it in, in summer league work. I've seen him do it in just various other situations where he's got that potential still. The injuries suck, but he's still really freaking young. And we're gonna find you know, we're gonna see. This is this is a big year. He's making big money. Him and Fultz are making huge money this season with their yep. extensions kicking in. So and we went on a tangent that we probably shouldn't have because we don't know what the magic are gonna do in free agency or draft night. So we're gonna find, we'll see. Um so the NBA says that well, we'll see if the NBA says if the Magic can carry seventeen, you know, again this next season, you know. With the NBA, they, they told the teams you can have 15 guys and then plus two two-way guys, 17 on the roster. I hope they keep that. If not, then the Magic are really going to have to make some moves because they got a lot of young guys that, at that point. Um, hopefully hopefully the, the league kind of maintains that, that the same roster restrictions. The salary cap is going to supposedly be around $112 million. It was 109 million last season. We're at 95 million now with the 11 guys I mentioned. That's why, like, I'm I'm bringing this up because, again, Fultz and Isaac's extensions just kicked in. Right. So we're gonna be over the cap again next year. Like, there's no way we're not. But there's no way the DeVos family's playing paying for us to be in the luxury tax. So just keep that keep that in mind. Um, all right. So I, I went over the Magic free agents. So I don't know if you you have any Magic free agent top targets on your mind, but. Would you agree or disagree? Okay, here's a question. Do you think the Magic are going to spend more than $10 million or the MLE on a free agent or less? Or, on, or, 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 or no more than that? On a single free agent? On a single free agent. So I'm not talking about like yeah. getting somebody through a trade. This right. is straight up free agent signing. No. I don't think so either. That's why like I Magic fans need to just put the free agent stuff aside. One, the free agent class sucks. It's not that good anyway. Two... We don't have the space. We're not going to have the space till we get, you know, probably Gary Harris's contract off the books, or we do some other type of finagling. But um, this is all about bringing in veterans, one or two veterans to sign potentially. Yeah. I got optimistic with a couple guys, um, but you know, this season it's going to be about the youth, and you just need one or two new, you know, veterans, very respected guys that are going to come in and just build up that that lock that locker room kind of just chemistry and 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 you know culture gets overused a lot but that that's what you need i don't think a guy like terrence ross can do that that's why i i put more stock in a guy like gary harris in that regard um that's why i want to keep james ennis because james ennis seems to be a guy that can do that uh i'll talk about terrence ross in a trade proposal uh, later on but i've got four four free agents listed and again, Magic fans should just keep expectations low from from a 2021 class perspective. 2022 is when there's bigger names in the pool, there's better talent in in the, in the free agent class available, and the Magic will have more money available to most likely. Plus, we'll also get to show off the shiny new training slash uh, practice facility that's going to be opening up in the spring, right? Next, you know, spring 2022. So, all right. I've got four guys. You let me know if you have any interest in any of them. I've got a 34-year-old Danny Green who, again, I'm for all four of these guys, I'm not offering more than the $10 million MLE or, you know, or the mid-level exception right. around there. I got a 34-year-old Danny Green. He made $15 million this season with Philly. 
he still shoots the ball pretty well. Like Philly fans weren't happy with with how he performed in the playoffs, but from a regular season perspective, he does pretty well. And he already has multiple championship rings, so I don't think he's going to be ring chasing anymore. He's looking to just stay in the league and and just make decent money. And I'd like to think ten million dollars is decent money from a from a thirty four year old perspective. But um, I got JJ Redick, who's thirty seven. He wants a ring, obviously, but I think he's he's there's no way he's coming back to Orlando, and it's because he's one ring chasing and two he wants the, his next team to be somewhere in the Northeast, be it like Philly or the New York area, somewhere around there. I got a 36 year 36 year old Paul Millsap who is probably ring chasing. I don't know. He's never won a ring. Uh, he was almost Rob Hennigan's big free agent signing like eight years ago. Uh, that didn't quite work out. Seven years ago, I think. Uh, yeah, he's he's had some great years in Atlanta and Denver, but I mean, again, he hasn't won a championship, so maybe he'll he'll look to to hop on a title team. Uh, and then I have Boban Marjanovic, who's about to be 33. <laughs> he only made 33.5 million dollars last season in Dallas. I'm sure Luca loves him so much he'll be pissed if they don't re-sign him. But yeah. those are the four guys I got, and that's again, you got to keep expectations low because this is not the there's there's no reason for the Magic to make any type of splurge. Uh, yeah, I, I, all of those guys, I don't know how plausible any of them end up being, uh, not even some, Danny Green, man. I, some of them would, yeah. If Terrence Ross goes, maybe, um, some of them would be fun. I sadly, I'm not sure what JJ Redick has left in the tank either. That's why I still think it's actually possible. Like if he's trying to ring chase and it, it he can't really get on a title contender, he might, there might be a shot to just bring him back here. Well, maybe we could sign him and then trade him to Milwaukee halfway through the season. Yeah, that that that, that um, he wouldn't he wouldn't complain about it this time, I don't think. But yeah, I uh, I think tempered expectations is the way to go, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up overpaying for like a Reggie Bullock type. That was going to be the 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 flashiest flashiest move that we make. I mean. Reggie Bullock's good, but I don't think it makes sense for here. That's I feel like that's just taking away minutes from from other guys in, in my mind. But you want to talk NBA draft? Let's do it. All right. So, do you believe that the Magic need to do whatever is possible to trade up to number two or number three, or are you content with them staying at five or eight? Because I'm hell bent on the Magic finding a way to get Jalen Green. Like Cade Cunningham, it's impossible to get a number one. Like Troy Weaver would get murdered if he trade if he traded down from one, I think. And yeah. From yeah, I, I just don't see that happening. So I'm all about getting Jalen Green. You might want somebody else, but do you want would do you really think the Magic need to trade up to two or three, or would you be fine at them five and eight? Some of that reason could be that we're too young as well. Yeah, I think again, consolidating the the number of guys that you have to develop is important because you can't develop fifteen. So uh, two bites at the apple is uh, a good way to spin a bad situation. But I think that you, you need to do everything in your power to identify the one guy that's going to alter your, your franchise in a positive way and go after it. And if that's consolidating assets where another team is looking to take on uh, more development, uh, and in this situation, we're kind of fucked in that <laughs> everybody at the top is pretty much in the same situation yeah there, there isn't like a golden state at two that you know golden state's at seven if they were at two then it's like 
there's something there. Like the closest team that's a competitor in the top five is Toronto at right. four, and they've got big issues and needs as well. So, um, I, I mean, the Magic have a lot to trade with. We've talked about it before. They've got f- picks five, eight, and thirty-three in this draft. They have all of their picks moving forward in the future, which is really rare from NBA standards. Uh, there's a we have the seventeen million dollar traded player exception that we got from the. Fournier slash Jeff Teague uh, trade, which Jeff Teague is a champion now as well, which mm. is kind of funny. But uh, we have the Bulls' lightly prote- protected pick in 2023, and we have Denver's lightly protected 2025 pick. But I am going to throw two trades at uh, tr- two trades at you: one with Houston at number two, and one with Cleveland at number three. Okay. And I want to hear kind of just one: Do we immediately get shot down? Do you? care that for the magic to try something like this and or is what we're giving up too much but uh with houston at two i would do this if the rockets uh have interest in mobley or suggs and think that he can actually one of those two would fall to five but uh there's a chance because there's a chance that either is going to be on the board at five depending on what happens with if either barnes or kaminga kind of jumps up into that top four we're gonna see but I have the Magic trading to Houston 5-8, the 2023 Bulls pick, a 2024 pick swap, Mo Bamba, and Terrence Ross to the Rockets for number two, Eric Gordon, and DJ Augustine. And I'm going to talk it through a little bit here. So Ross is 30 years old. I magic fan fellow magic fans hate me on this on Twitter, but I don't think he's the locker room presence we we want or need. I I need a leader in there for rebuild and not just kind of one of the guys taking shots away from our future. And that's kind of how I feel about Terrence. Uh, And he's, he's only shot. He only shot 33.7% from three last season. Like he's, he's been on a bit of a decline here Whether you know, part of that was the injuries part of that was the losing, but I, I just don't see a long-term future for Terrence on the team. And then we got Mo Bamba at 23 years old, who's making $7.6 million next season in the final year of his deal. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., also in the final year of his deal, but I like Wendell a lot more than Mo Bamba. Uh, And then Mo having trouble with Jamal Mosley in that one workout clip didn't encourage me at all. Like, I see he's getting stronger, but he's still got no lower body in my mind, or a very weak lower body. Um... But yeah, I mean, I'm more than fine with the Magic next season going into it with, you know, Carter, Isaac, Wagner, and a cheap signing handling the center minutes. Like, I'm, I'm, fu- I'm fine with that. I don't need Mobamba. So for, for Houston, Houston does this trade because Ross has one year less on his deal than Eric Gordon. And Ross makes less money than Eric Gordon. So that's, and Ross is a much easier contract to trade than Eric, than Eric Gordon. Gordon turns 33 on Christmas Day. He missed a lot of, he's missed a lot of games the past two seasons, and he's only shooting 32% from three. Gordon makes next season, which is 2021 22, he makes $18.2 million. And then in 22 23, he makes $19.6 million. The final year of his deal, 2023-2024, is at $20.9 million, but it's not guaranteed. Yeah. The stipulations on that is are very, very interesting because uh, that that money's not guaranteed if he's won, either, if he's either not waived by, or if he's, yeah, it's not guaranteed if you waive him before June 28th of 2023, or if 
uh, you know, if he if he makes an All Star game before the twenty three twenty four season, then that that year becomes guaranteed. Which yeah, no worries there. Yeah, that's not happening. Or if his team uh, wins the NBA title and he has played at least five hundred regular season minutes, which in that that case, fine, take the twenty million dollars right. yeah. because the Magic won NBA title, and I'll be more than stunned and happy and 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 relieved and crying like a like a little baby. But uh, the other part of it is, does Houston really want a DJ Augustine on seven million dollars per season. He's, you know, I like DJ in the role that Jameer should have had in the Rob Hennigan era, era as far as a third string point guard who can give you minutes if Fultz and Cole or Bo- and Cole Anthony are hurt. You know, yeah. DJ's thirty four in November. He makes seven point three million dollars in the twenty two twenty three season, which is partially guaranteed. By the way, that's not fully guaranteed. So that money comes off can come off the books pretty easily. And then he still shot 38% from three this season in both Milwaukee and Houston. Like, defensively, not good, but he can still shoot it well if you need him to. And the Rockets already have John Wall, so I don't think they need Augustine. And Houston gets a free look at Bamba for a year, uh, you know, and if it doesn't work out that year, then he comes off the books for free next season. So what what, what do you think? So, again, it's Magic giving up 5-8, the 2023 Bulls pick. A 2024 pick swap, Bamba and Ross to Houston for two, Gordon and Augustine. Uh, before I answer, mm-hmm. let me ask you this. Yes, ask away. Uh, assuming Mo Bamba is on the roster for the Magic next season, mm-hmm. is there any chance at all that he leapfrogs Wendell Carter in the rotation? What what's what's your percentage on that happening? Fifteen percent. Oh, that's generous. Uh, All right. uh, I I think compensation-wise, I think it's a fair deal. Uh, I think it comes down to who's Houston targeting with their selection, um, and then obviously what would be the fifth selection at that point. And then, but and then the other thing, and look, somebody already mentioned this on Twitter to me, and I and I and I get it. You know, you can always do like a three-way deal where Houston ends up packaging that five and eight and moving up to three or four and getting their guy anyway. You don't have they don't have to necessarily be stuck at five. They can trade back up as well. You know, so that's that's the other thing. But how committed is Houston to to Christian Wood? Does that play a role in? I think who Christian Wood is a four. I think yeah. he's a four. So if you want, so I think Mobley for them would look pretty good. I think for them, I again, I'm not a big fan of centers who don't have an ass. But Mobley for what, who he's supposed to be and potentially supposed to become next to Christian Wood, that's pretty enticing from a Houston perspective. Or you can go the Suggs route if you really like Suggs. So do you think? In, in this in this deal, mm-hmm. Houston is is paying the premium to move down to still get their guy and money off their books. That's, yes, that's the incentive. That's, that's the enticement. And we're moving up to get Jaylen our targeted Green. guy. I think Jalen Green is yeah. the guy. That's that's the guy. That that's what I'm doing. Uh, if you're checking all the boxes for motivations for both teams, I think it's a fair deal. It, will will it happen? No. Uh, yeah, it's, but compensation-wise, I think that's pretty fair. Like, because I've been reading, I've, I've been looking at the athletic. I've been seeing. I, I saw the stuff, the, the the trade offers that Josh Robbins made, and I didn't think they were good enough. This is the most that I'm giving. This is the most that I've seen being offered from a Magic perspective, which doesn't seem ridiculous from my viewpoint. No, and but it's a lot better than what you know the beat writers from Houston or Cleveland have turned down. That that's my viewpoint. So. Um, 
it's I, I would do that. I, I would have no hesitation in, in, in doing that. I think it's I think it's fair from a Houston perspective because again, you can still move back up to three or four and get your guy anyway, and we're clearing your books for you, and you're still getting the twenty twenty three Bulls pick. Right. And look, if the Magic are terrible in twenty twenty four, you're probably getting a better pick too in twenty twenty four. So that's the that's the risk, but I think it's worth it for Jalen Green. I think he's that good. I don't know. Do you think he's that good to go up and get go go for him? Are I, you are, are you are you much more pessimistic on draft prospects? Uh, I don't know if I'm pessimistic on draft draft prospects, but I I don't I haven't made my decision yet. That's fine. I haven't made my decision yet. So if you have identified that, that's what it comes down to. If you have if identified that's your guy, the guy, go get your guy. You have to get the guy. Like I thought, Luka Doncic was the guy, you know, and we, we didn't go we get did. him. I, I was on that track. I mean, you know, not that we're outside the box thinkers and, in that. And but. people, but but, and then people keep saying like, "Oh, the Magic couldn't have traded up." There's there's always a way to fucking trade up. There's always a way. Now, especially when you're not going all the way up to one. Like again, Detroit would be crazy to trade down for away from Kate Cunningham. It'd be insane if they end up trade, you know, taking Jalen Green and Kate actually doesn't go one. That's going to be crazy, but or they go Mobley instead. But I, I really think Kate Cunningham is is as surefire to number one as you're going to see over the next decade, maybe. I don't know, but um, so so we like the Houston trade. Now I have this Cleveland trade at so Cleveland's at three. Yeah, I'm only doing this trade. If Jalen Green's available, right. I'm not doing this from Magic perspective. If it's only Mobley or Suggs available, you know, available in there, I'm, Noted. I'm so I'm banking on Houston getting go, going for Mobley at two, basically right. at this yeah. point, or something crazy happens. But um, yeah. Also, if Cleveland likes Suggs and he's and they feel like he's available at five, this is another reason why Cleveland would do this. But I'm trading five. The 2023 Bulls pick, so I'm not including Magic 8. I'm not including the Magic 8. I'm not including the Magic at 33 either. I'm doing five, the 2023 Bulls pick, Gary Harris, and Mo Bamba to the Cavs for number three and Kevin Love. I don't know if they do that. I mean, they're pretty desperate to get that money off, I, I feel like. that that That's... No one... Kevin Love is supposed to be... Was supposed to be on Team USA, and... He didn't. He was not looking good for them. Be it a physical issue, or be it just there's so much rust because he hasn't played that much that he just was not looking good at all in, in FIBA ball. No, he hasn't looked good in a while. Um, Is there any interest in any of Cleveland's backcourt that could be available to expand that deal and make it bigger? I mean, I I don't want to go for Cal- Colin Sexton. Not that he's a bad player, but that takes minutes away from guys like Cole or RJ or whoever we pick yeah. in that in in that regard. Yeah. Like I'm not. No offense to Colin Sexton, he's good. If the mag like he he belongs on a playoff team. If somebody gets Sexton on a playoff team, he's good. And we'll see how how that pans out if they can actually trade him. But Kevin Love is a much harder person to trade away than Colin Sexton. Kevin Love is a is a is a buyout, right? I mean, there. Well, I uh, let me let me talk it through right. real quick. So again, there's not really an easy way for the Magic to take on Love's salary without including Gary Harris, who, again, I like Gary as a vet. I like Gary as, as a shooting guard. He's a, he's a good player. He just needs to stay healthy and just have, I think, the new scenery from Denver actually might do him some good. Um, and then 
again, Sexton I don't think is needed because we're we're kind of gonna we're already are going to be clogged up at point guard and shooting guard anyway. So, you know, again, the Cavs don't the the Cavs won't want to trade with us if we don't take at least one of Sexton or Love. In this case, I'm offering to take Kevin Love. Kevin Love turns 33 years old in September and absolutely wants out of Cleveland. That's been obvious for at least like two years now. Yeah. Um, no contenders seem to want him right now. Either they can't trade for him or they don't want to trade for him. And so he needs to prove himself. Whether you know the Magic can take him on as kind of like a, a, a project, basically, a rehabilitation project where he can look good maybe for five months and then you trade him at the trade deadline or you hold on to him till you know for for at least a year or maybe even like a year and a half and then maybe you can get him off uh, off to another team because then his money's going to eventually be coming off the books but you know the magic there there's there's also need for what he could potentially do at at his position at power forward as a guy that spreads the floor as well but in next season in 2021-2022 he's making 31.3 million dollars in 22-23, he makes $28.9 million. That's it. That, that's all that's left on his contract. His money's off the books by 2023. Um, you know, Love could be used as a trade chip in the 2022 offseason or before that if the Magic want to make like a big move or something. You know, or if Love, again, has shown that he can actually play and then, then you, you figure it out from there, be it if you want to try and clear some free agent money you can do that before the 2022 offseason when you're going to try and be a free agent hunter. That's that's potentially on the books there. But um, Cleveland does this because Harris is $20.5 million and Bamba's $7.6 million come off the books next next summer. Like If they want to make moves in 2022, they can do that with this trade. I'm, again, doing this from a Magic perspective because I want Jalen Green. Right. I want him. And then, you know, I, I already said love and limited – Games played has still shot 30, 37% from three over the past three seven seasons or three seasons in Cleveland. So, um, I think he's worth doing it if if I can get Jalen Green. But you don't think Cleveland does it? Uh, I don't. I don't know if the motivation is high enough, and I don't know if the compensation is high enough. And from a Magic perspective, obviously, I I would do the deal. But uh, even to nitpick that, I, I'm not sure that. Kevin Love is going to be let's let's take uh, on court capabilities aside because we don't know what physically his limitations will be moving forward. I'm not certain that he's going to be the type of engaged locker room veteran uh, that we talk about needing either. That that is the worry, but also getting out of Cleveland might be a big a, a, a bigger deal than we think. Like or going from Cleveland to Orlando in a lot of aspects is pretty good, I think, in my mind. <laughs> pretty so, good. Uh, I, I don't know. And look, yeah. worst comes to worst, you you never play him a second on the floor like you did Timothy Mozgov. Like right. he ends, maybe you end up getting like an injury exception for him where he like he ends up coming off the books earlier somehow. And well, that's not possible, I don't think, unless he retires, which he'd be crazy to retire at this point and leave yeah. all that money on the table. But. All right, so you think so? Out of the two, you think the Houston trade is actually better than Cleveland? I, I think the Houston trade is more plausible, and I think that although it's a lot to give up, I think it's uh, equitable. Okay, that's fair. That's fine. All right, so with that said, I'll, I'll actually make make you do a prediction now. Do you yeah. think the Magic trade up, trade back, or stay at five and eight? I I would bet the house on staying at five and eight. Sadly. 
I still. I said it. I I get. I was a guest on the Ozone Pod. I I still think that Waltman's gonna gonna sack up and trade up and and get Jalen Green somehow. I think it's gonna happen because we do have a lot of young guys. Like it, and I don't want to get rid of thirty three. I like pick thirty three. I you know. Yeah. I want to get Jason Preston or J T Thor or. Uh, Josh Christopher from USC. Like, I want one of those three guys. I want Preston because he's one of those kind of unorthodox point guards that can cause a lot of problems in the NBA. He can have like a 15-year Andre Miller-like career. <laughs> you know, who knows? Plus, he's a Boone Brave, you know, and the story, his story is great. I've, stories and motivation are something that get ignored and then something like Giannis Adetokounmpo happens and it's like, that's a hell of a story, so... Um, you know, I got pissed that we didn't p- end up with Taco Fall, and people in Boston freaking love him. You know, right. but um, all right. So if we stay put at five and eight, Moses Moody's my guy. He's he's the he's my personal third best player draft pot prospect in the draft. He's third on my board be- behind Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green. Um, but if you think Moody's going to be available at eight, then I'm fine taking Kaminga at five. Who everyone thinks we're going to take Scotty Barnes over. Uh, over uh, over Kaminga, I disagree wholeheartedly. Um, I would, you know, if I if we ended up with Kaminga at five and Moody at eight, I'd be fine with that. I'm also fine trading back. You know, go from five, trade back with OKC to six and sixteen, or Golden State at seven and fourteen. Give me Usman Garuba, you know, Garuba at fourteen or sixteen as well. He's on the Spanish national team and he's playing for Real Madrid. You know, it's that that guy's could be really freaking good. But um, if you're not, you know, what was I going to say? Yeah, Garuba 14 and 16. But, um, you know, if you're not 99% confident that Moody's going to be there at 8, then fine, then make the leap and go for five, go for him at 5. There's some people now that have Moody creeping up uh, up there now. Like I, I, I heard, uh, I think it was Eric Fawcett on, uh, on the Six Man podcast. He actually had Moody going five to the Magic, which was like the first draft guy that I saw actually do that. So, um, and then I'm either, you know, at eight, I'm taking either, you know, the Australian Giddy or I'm taking Cam Thomas at LSU. I, I just like what he can do offensively. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see from there. I'm not a fan of, of, Jalen Suggs, he reminds me too much of Trey Young in like the worst possible attributes, po- you know, possible. Um, I just I don't like his build. I don't or I don't like Suggs' build. I don't like his attitude. Sometimes he just he doesn't look like a guy who who's really a true locker room leader. And we've heard Trey Young be very divisive in Atlanta with, when it comes from a locker room perspective. Mm-hmm. Very talented. Uh, I don't like the flopping and the filling and the tra- tactics that it, that he uses to score. Same thing might happen with Suggs in, in that regard. So I I'm just not a fan of that. I don't like I like Scotty Barnes because he gives me Aaron Gordon vibes and that everything needs to be developed from an offensive perspective. Scotty Barnes's jumper is broken from head to toe and it's just in not in dire need of a full rehab. Um, you know. Everyone's talking about you know Barnes is like really emotional on the court and like he's diving around. Moses Moody does all that and he can actually shoot <laughs> and he's like he also has a seven foot wingspan. Yeah. It's not seven two or seven three, but he also Moody has a seven foot wingspan. Um, I don't like Mobley or Shangun. I just I don't believe right now in drafting centers in the lottery unless they look like Joel Embiid or something. Um, and then also people were talking about taking Shangun at eight and I'm just like. 
why not just keep Vooch then and, and try and go trade for Damian Lillard at that point? Like, I, I just don't see it with Shangun. Like, you have to feed, and, and people overrate the Turkish League a lot, but uh, with, with Shangun, you have to feed him a lot for him to really be worth that pick, and I just don't, I don't see it with him. So, also, I don't trust the guy that wears Crocs in on in Winter Park. I'm just, I'm not a big. No, no that's fair. Uh, I'm not a fan of that, but. <laughs> Um, and then Book Knight was the is the other guy that gets talked about. I I look at the film with Book Knight. I just I don't see him being as great of an athlete as a guy that's five inches shorter him and, and Cole Anthony. And I just I don't like the Cole Anthony comparisons. I don't see it. And he didn't shoot it well at all at UConn. Like he's a, a much worse version than Kemba Walker was. And Kemba Walker could not really shoot the ball either. So that's where I'm at with that. Um, any comments on what I said? Do you have guys that you would want the Magic get at five and eight? Right? I, I, my, I, I would echo your comment about everything that I watched from UConn. I did not get great vibes there. And I'll say this. I've said it off air. My, my only stipulation is nobody from Gonzaga. So I'm not a fan of Suggs. No Kispert. I, I don't think Kispert is uh, worthy. I, I can't believe he's going to go in the first round. He's – look – with with guys like Kispert and um, oh I forget who the other uh, pure shooter was I can't remember now off the top of my head but uh, with Kispert like those are secondary pieces on playoff teams like he think of him you got to think of him as like a Joe Harris like I think he's he's a really good shooter and a pretty underrated athlete but I'm taking guys that can be alphas I can I'm taking guys that can be stars or at least like a Chris Middleton which Moses Moody is being compared to Chris Middleton a lot. Um, I'm taking guys that can be the number one go-to guy because the Magic Tech don't have one at this moment. Like I said, maybe R.J. Hampton or Isaac could become that guy, but you know, if you're gonna stay at five and eight, you got to take big swings. Scotty Barnes can't shoot worth dick. Like he just can't. Like his his offense is awful. I don't care what Draymond Green comparisons you want to take. Draymond Green's scared to shoot. He doesn't want to shoot. Um, every every year I say. I, just in full transparency, and you know this, every year I say, I'm going to watch a shitload more college basketball than I did the year before, and I never do. So, look, this year the draft is too important to the franchise. I'm going to leave it solely in the hands of the front office and basketball ops to make an informed decision. But I will, I will say, I will, te- I will temper it with this. Don't be surprised when it ends up being fucking Scotty Barnes and Sharif Cooper. No, oh gosh! Don't be surprised. It's gonna end up being like Barnes and Shangun, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna charge the court and try and murder somebody in the back, in the in the in the back room or something. But uh, I mean, we are gonna be at the Magic Draft Party, aren't we, at Amway We're, Center? We will so. be visible there. Yeah. Um, gosh, look, you're right though. We're not gonna know if the pick's right if the picks are correct or whatever moves we make are correct for two, three years. Yeah. Like it, that, that's what it comes down to. Waltham, Hammond have to get it right. It doesn't matter if we're pissed off for two years. If it ends up panning out and they're, and, and whatever we do, it's great. Awesome. You did your job. You actually made, made your, made yourselves worthy of your paycheck. But you know, I, I've been pretty good on the draft recently. Like RJ Hampton was my guy last year. And thankfully, we ended up trading for him. But he he's gonna be really freaking good. Cole Anthony looks pretty good so far. He was not I, he was not on my radar. But you know, the other guy that I thought was like the 
maybe the best player in the draft was was Tyrese Halliburton, and he's looking damn good right now. So we'll see. I, I think I'm getting better at the draft stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm trusting less than the experts, and I'm literally just looking at the film. I'm looking at interviews. I'm looking at just how, how do I think these guys are going to react on a team in a locker room. And that's why I'm really high on Moody. I'm really high on Cam Thomas and, and, uh, and Giddy. But we'll see. We're going to find out. So, um, you know, we appreciate you listening to another episode. So your draft night prediction, Penny, is the Magic State put at 5-8, and eight, we'll right? Stay in put. All right. I think we end up, I think we, we end up trading the two I, w- with Houston and, get, and getting Jalen Green. All right. But, uh, please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go magic, take care, and just win your summer. I feel like